Hey guys, welcome back to the What's Up Grimes podcast. I'm joined as usual by MK. Hey guys. And we have a very special guest today. We have Lance Moore, who is a San Diego-based mask artist, jewelry creator, and avant-garde designer. So Lance, thank you so much for taking the time out to sit with us today and talk to us a little bit about your craft and about meeting Grimes and Gaga and all the yeah, other cool people. Yeah, so excited. Oh, very, very happy to be here with you guys. Just FYI, because people will Google and they'll find like a football player. It's Lance Victor Moore. Okay. Um, that's the, just, just so you guys know, Lance Victor Moore, um, because Lance Moore, I think, is like some football player. And although I'd love to be able to say that was me, that is not my, my football jam. player slash designer. Although I could make him a really cool helmet, I bet. You could. <laughs> right so, on. You know, spikes it, and horns. Yeah. And rhinestones. We're going to get into that a little bit, but Lance, let's start off with the basics. Tell us about yourself. How did you become an artist? How did you get into this? Uh, Well, I've always been an artist, I think, um, from an early age. My parents were both artistic in their own way. My mother was a writer, um, and my father is actually a relatively well-known painter. Um, He's more well-known in a niche market, which is sort of religious paintings. Um, But uh, his work is like the third most reproduced Christian artworks in America of all time. Like as far as like tchotchkes and posters and crap. Um, So I grew up around a pretty crazy artist group of, of people. My parents had a lot of art friends and we were always traveling and going to weird like art before before there was things like uh you know um comic cons and stuff like that there were like all these basically like art cons that people would go to around the country back in like back in the 90s i was a kid ancient Um, times ancient times back in the back in those days but um and so i was, was always a creative and i thought i would become a painter it's what i went to school for originally was to um, be a restorative painter, like for a restoration of like a museum. That's what I wanted to do. Mm. Those jobs Oh, are that's so of, cool. Yeah, but they're very hard to get into. It's sort of like, it has its own sort of version of tenure. So, mm, it, yes. you know, it, you hear that, you know, same thing with architects that one in 20 people that go to school for architecture actually get a job in architecture because there's it's just a very limited field well even more yeah. so in the restorative arts because once someone gets oh. a gig at say the guggenheim they're there for 30 years so they're not giving up that space and they don't i'm need- gonna die here <laughs> right and so it's really hard to break in there but it gave me valuable skills on knowing how to really look at details and to be really um you know minute when it came to inspecting things and being hypercritical um and from that, I mean, I'd always had an interest in fashion. I know I don't necessarily read as super fashion guy, but I, I did at a time. I used to be a club kid in New York back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, all those that is so cool. Late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and Gosh, you have to have photos. I do, and you'll never see them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you will. I'm, I'm about half the... Half the me that I am now, um, but I, I did all right. I had a good time, and I had a wonderful time in New York. Um, I went to Cooper Union, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it was great. 
but because of that, you know, being involved in that world, I was always helping friends of mine create costumes and lots of drag queens and lots of sort of non-binary people before that was necessarily a term that people yeah. even used. But I just, I had just a lot queer of, at that point, I had a lot of right? queer people. Yeah. I had a lot of queer people around me. Um, and I was always helping with stuff. And I just, I garnered slowly a reputation of being somebody who could actually make shitty stuff look pretty good as opposed to just helping you create something for the night that you didn't care about. Um, and from there it snowballed and I started making more extravagant pieces. Um, the thing that really probably changed it for me though was I, my friend Emily Payne, um, who is an alumni twice over from Project Runway. Uh, she's been on Project Runway and on Project Runway All-Stars, um, amazing designer wow. in her own right. She asked me in like 2015, 2016, to create a bunch of masks for her line of clothing that she was showing in New York Fashion Week. And uh, she wanted something that was gonna obscure the model's faces. This is before we had COVID. We did not co call them COVID masks. We just called them dusters because it was what everybody wore to like Burning Man. It was like, yeah. you know, face mask. Mm, but right. she's like, I want something that's gonna cover everybody's face because I want it to sort of be non-gender specific. I want the clothes to sort of be, it could be anybody wearing it under there. So of course I went crazy and created these crazy masks with you know horns and branches and spikes and metal things on it. And um, everybody loved them and they sold out, which I wasn't expecting to sell anything. This is like my first foray into it. And it- What year was this? In 2016, 2015, 2016. Okay. When I really yeah. started getting into it. I mean, I'd always made things like that. Like the very first thing I ever made that got any notoriety was quite literally the first thing I ever sewed. Um, I was sort of obsessed with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Yeah. Oh, who isn't? Um, and my tween ass was convinced that I needed to have my own version of a Catwoman suit, but like a boy version. So I designed basically oh. a hybrid between Catwoman and Batman's outfits. And then I went to all Ooh. these, first, you know, I grew up on Long Island. So I went to all these thrift stores in Long Island and bought leather jackets and leather skirts and leather pants and leather boots. And I cut them all up and spent an entire summer sewing this thing by hand because I didn't have a sewing machine. And it got such a good response that I entered it into a pretty high profile, I mean, for Long Island, high profile costume contest. And I won first prize. And they gave me like a photo Amazing. and all this stuff. Um, so even though the very first thing I ever did had a mask yeah, you know, right. Part of yeah. it. Um, I was her from Halloween in first grade with a winter coat on, on top. Questionable I, I, moment for my parents. You, oh, believe <laughs> me, well, have your have have your 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 queer son dress up as a hybrid Catwoman and Catman, uh, Cat, uh, Batman. That's definitely a, a questionable moment for my parents, especially both being <laughs> like hyper religious. They're like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? Um, so yeah, and it was it was even more interesting as I had. So this is this really shows you what a terrible, not terrible. I was a great kid. What a what a devious little shit I was. <laughs> um, for all the youngins out there, there's a pop star named Madonna who used to be really popular. Who? Um, hey, truth is, um, <laughs> but she had a book that came out um, right around this time called Sex. I don't know if you guys oh, remember. This. Yeah, so amazing. And it had metal covers on it, and I. This is this is terrible to say, but I 
stole it from our library. They had a copy of it in our library um, in Long Island. And I wanted this fucking book and I knew my parents wouldn't buy it for me. Right. So I swiped it and um, I brought it home and it was great, but the covers kept falling off of it because they're a metal. Yeah. And I didn't have, any, <laughs> you know, I work with sheet metal stuff all the time now, but you know, I'm on Long Island in the nineties before you could order stuff online. I didn't yeah. have these things. So I took the metal sheet covers off of Madonna's sex book. And that's what I made the metal claws and the inside <laughs> of the ears and all the structural bits with my Catwoman costume. So if you see any of the metal parts on it, it's on my Instagram. You can actually see it. You scroll all the way down. It's like the second or third thing I ever posted. Wow. Um, if you, if you see it, uh, all the metal on it, it's actually Madonna's sex book. So thanks Madonna. That's crazy. And speaking of that your is the coolest Instagram page, that's how our community found you. Obviously, you worked with Scene. We'll get into that a little bit later. But tell us, now that you've gotten involved in this world and your work is well known, what does a typical work day look like for you? Um, it depends on what, what I have going on project-wise. I mean, I'm in October right now. So outside of working on a couple projects that are sort of time sensitive. I also have some orders just because I have fancy people who want to have fancy things to wear for Halloween, which is great. I love that time of year because it's, you know, um, I have a very niche market on that where someone's like, I need something special, not just a carnival mask. So right now it's pretty busy. Um, But then there are times, you know, like any artist, I think where you have, you have slumps. I'm pretty, my partner and I, um, we're pretty prudent people when it comes to spending our money not to say that we don't enjoy life but like we're both like i don't we don't drink i don't not, i'm not an aa or anything i just I'm not a big drinker we don't go out and party so we don't spend a ton of money so we're both able to indulge in the things we want which is me buying all kinds of crap i don't need for my studio and him spending stuff on his car and or our car and doing that kind of stuff um yeah so when those grown adult uh, person Right, right, grown adult person. So when those those slightly sloped areas come in where I don't have, you know, huge commissions coming in, we make sure that we have reserves set up. So that's how, as for me, I would say the best thing for any artist, whether you have a modicum of success or whether you're just starting, two bits of advice that I have learned that are the best, which is first time I made a huge commission, and I'm talking huge as in like a couple thousand dollars or something. Yeah. So excited. I'm like, oh my God. I'm making money, making my art. How great is this? And the first thing I wanted to do was pay off one of our credit cards for yeah. me and my partner. <clears throat> and he's like, don't do that. I'm like, why not? I have this money and we can do this. He's like, because you don't have whatever it was, $3,000. You have a hundred, you have $1,500. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you have to take half of that and put it back into your business. If you don't, mm. you won't have anything the next time someone buys something. You just sold the mask for $3,000, but it had $1,000 worth of material in it. Go replenish yeah. that $1,000 worth of material so you can make another one. And you still made money. And he's very smart. My partner's- Yeah, biz- my business partner's savvy. Really, yeah. He's very, well, he, he's an HR. And so he's a very smart- Oh, there you go. And he works in like a financial part of HR. Um, oh. So- Wow. He's, yeah, it's good to have a smart one. And-, and, and <laughs> And handsome, so we we, we <laughs> the whole um, package. He is he is definitely the whole package. Um, so I would say that would be the first thing is when the money starts coming in sporadically or on a regular basis, make sure you always put money back into your business and don't just feel like okay now I can get caught up on bills because 
that's great, but that's a short-term plan and you need to yeah. invest back in yourself. And it's hard because for me, I felt guilt about it. I was like, yeah, but this is like the first time like I'm making money with anything and I can do this and I don't yeah. want to like spend money on myself. And he was like, no, because then you can make more and then you can get more yeah. money. And then, yeah. and it was great because I would have probably never been able to produce some of the stuff I did for Gaga if I had not started investing in my business early once a little bit of money started coming in. Um, so that would be the, the first thing I would say. Second thing I would be is, I would say is when the slopey times happen and there is a lull, don't let that define what you feel about your success. Mm -hmm. Um, for for me, yeah, but it's not easy advice to take even for someone like me, because there's times where I'm like, oh, I just showed in whatever with Iris Van Herpen in Paris fashion week. And now okay well now what do i do what do i aspire to at the moment and you know i'm lucky that i have a couple things going on right now but i had panic attack after that i'm like okay well i basically worked with one of the number one people i ever wanted to work with in the biggest arena you can (laughs) work amazing the biggest arena you can work where do i what do i do now um and you have a manager uh, yes his name is lance victor moore um that's about it. And I, I mean, <laughs> no, it's true. I, 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 I'm, I'm anyone out there who uh, runs a PR agency. Let me know. I have a couple people in LA who have reached out who, who are at PR agencies out there who I'm thinking about. And when I go up here to LA at the end of this uh, month, I'm going to have a meeting or two. Um, but no, I, I, I've done it all on my own. I mean, that's one of the things I think people one man show. Well, my partner, you know, who does a lot of the stuff that I can't yeah. do. Like I said, I... I the he, business side is so well, important. His, yeah. And that's the part that I have no interest in as an artist. And it's it's a yeah. cliche, but it's true. Like, I don't care about filing my W-9. Tax. Yeah. I don't care about making sure that contracts are whatever. Like, he loves all that So stuff. I guess he is like your manager, technically, too, because he kind of, like, you he check is. in. I think he is. Certain yeah, things. He certainly, he certainly is in in certain ways. Um, but you know, I mean, it's as far as like just the day to day stuff. It's it's pretty much me. Like I, I have to Amazing. field calls and get people to you know. I don't reach out to anyone. Everyone reaches out to me, which is probably a bad business strategy. I should have a way of doing more outreach. But I'm very shy. I know I don't maybe sound it, but I'm actually very shy when it comes to presenting myself to someone because I don't want the idea of them saying yeah i don't want that like i'd rather know when you come to me well like you came to me obviously you like what i do it would be devastating if i went to say someone i don't know we'll just use madonna like if i went to madonna she's like yeah that's not my thing but if madonna comes to me then you're like okay well great now i know that that's like she's she's into it so i'm playing hard to get well (laughs) and you don't need to because everybody loves it not everybody you'd be surprised i go go check the the comments on uh, my my uh, my interview which i just saw i guess hit two million two million views on facebook or something which is crazy to me to think that wow two million people have seen my face um <laughs> but yeah i've been called like like a conduit of the devil on there and that i'm working for satan and that you know me and gaga eat babies and all kinds of stuff oh yeah very, as one does very, it's very fun Right. I mean, how, I speaking of, well, how did you get to working with Gaga? Let's let's you know springboard. They reached off. out to me. They reached out to me. They uh, they saw my work and um, uh, her team, uh, her stylist Nikolai Formichetti. Mm-hmm. 
and his assistant at the time, the very lovely Marta Del Rio, um, reached out to me, and I, I dealt mostly with Marta. Um, and Marta's a really uh, was really really kind because I had never worked with a big star like that before. I mean, yeah. I worked with like some local people here, and I had a local reputation. Uh, but Gaga was definitely the first big one, and I I didn't know a lot of how the industry worked. I mean, we're talking three years ago. Um, yeah. And she was really cool. She answered my questions and sort of helped guide me through like this is the way that this usually works, and this is what your expectation should be, and what it shouldn't be, and. Um, I was kind of blown away by how all of it came together because, you know, they had said we want to do a poll. I didn't even know what a poll was at the time. For anybody out there who doesn't know what a poll means, it means when a stylist or someone calls and wants to basically take some of your work for a project. They say, we want to do a poll. Um, and I was like, I don't know what a poll is. And she's like, it means we <laughs> sure. want... Sure. Let me look that we, up. It means we want your things, dear. I was like, oh, great. All right. Yay. Um, and I had a couple weeks to I prepare. Have things. I had a couple weeks to prepare some things. So they took some things I already had and then I produced a few things based on their specifics for the music video. But I didn't know that they were gonna use so much of my stuff during that whole chromatica time. Like they had pulled a bunch of stuff and I had thought, okay, they'll use it for like one little thing. And then I saw the VMAs thing happen mm -hmm. and I thought that was it. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, Gaga War two of my pieces at the VMAs and I wrote Marta and I was like, thank you so much for using my work. This is so amazing. Oh. I mean, like it was, a, it was almost a dream. It gained like 5,000 followers in like two days. It was for me, it was nuts. Um, from having like 500 followers, do you know what I mean? Or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Marta was like, well, I'm very glad that you enjoyed that, but that's not the main event. We've got two things coming up. I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, uh, you're, Work is going to be in Billboard magazine with Kaga. Um, and uh, you also have some stuff coming up in a music video. Uh, and at the time, this is going to sound like a real fanboy thing. I got the Chromatica album before they'd ever contacted me. And the song that I really liked the best in the whole album was 911. I just mm -hmm. loved it. And I liked yeah. the idea of it. So when I found I out that that Chromatica. was the video, it was like, are you kidding? Even I'm even going to get to be like part of my favorite song on the album. And then to have it be my stuff kind of be one of the centerpieces or two of the centerpieces was crazy. Yeah. Um, and they were so gracious about, I mean, I, you know, it, it's not like to say it to be sycophantic. It's true. Like it's probably one of my best experiences in that industry, Yeah, which has been hard because some of the less great experiences in the industry I've based it on that first experience thinking that was normal. And I've found, I've come to find out that no, they're just really hyper vigilant about being kind to artists that work with Gaga and a lot of other stars who will go unnamed are not necessarily that way. Yeah. So it was mm. a weird thing to start off with such a good experience because my expectation for how everyone would be was very high. And then I realized, okay, that's not the norm. They're the exception. And then it's somewhere more in the middle. So you have to, you have to, have to build up a bit of a tough skin and be able to yeah. voice your opinion and say, this is what I can offer. It's also, this is what I expect out of the deal. And without naming names, what has happened to you in the industry that it felt like, wow, this is a horrible experience. Um, I was well, going to you know, ask that Jen. Well, I mean, having people borrow, <laughs> right your, borrow your work or do a poll and then getting it back and having things be 
broken or destroyed and then having to basically fight to get things Ugh. paid for or repaired. Wow. Hard. Oh man. But I, yeah, but you know, I mean, it's, there's a part of it where you, you just know once you, you let your stuff out of your vicinity, it's in someone else's care and you have to hope that yeah. they're going to pay for it. And the thing, the thing for me is once people have used something on, they want it, um, brought to them beautiful and pristine right then they want to shoot it after they've shot it they don't really care a lot of times if they just throw it against the wall because they got what they got to get it out of it and that's just the industry because it works so fast and everything is sort of very high turnover um Mm -hmm. so i've had to learn that a few times but i've also learned to make sure before anything goes out to have my own contracts which is not something that a lot of yeah i guess i've learned um from friends of mine. I'm, I'm part of a group, um, a really cool group, which everybody should check out if you don't already, called Fashion for Bank Robbers, um, run by my friend Karina. Um, and they're awesome. They basically have all kinds of, it's all they do is stuff with masks and all. And I'm part of like mm. a group and we all chat about stuff. And I'm always surprised to hear from some of the other artists who work in the same way that I do with masks and stuff, how many don't have their own contracts because they're scared to present it. They're like, well, I don't want to like yeah. shoot myself in the foot with an opportunity if I say, well, here's my contract when they offer me a contract. I'm like, well, you have yeah. to. Yeah. And if anybody, my view on it is, is if someone who comes to you and says, we want to use your work and you say, great, here's my very, very small parameters. And they're unwilling to even sign a document saying, hey, if we destroy your work, we'll pay for it. Yeah, we have to, you have to protect want, your business. You probably your don't want to lend your work to that person, even if it seems yeah. like a great opportunity. Yeah. Anybody who won't say, hey, if I break it, I bought it. Is that really somebody you want to lend it out to? Right. Um, and it's hard, I know, because when a great opportunity comes your way, you want to say yes away. You don't want anyone else. You don't want to give them any reason to offer it to someone else. So it, right. that can be really tricky too, navigating that and, and having to... Um, basically say you came to me i know my worth i appreciate you came to me and i want to do this but you want me to sign your nda you want me to sign your contract that's great you need to sign mine too and Mm -hmm. i had to learn it um after a couple bad experiences yeah um and most people i i have found are actually pretty receptive to it because i think that they realize like oh wow you actually respect your own work but in people who do what i do which are considered in the fashion world accessories. Um, there's not a lot of respect for what we do a lot. The people want cool accessories, but we're not considered real fashion designers. We're not making Balenciaga gowns or Iris Van Herpen dresses. And so for you to come and say, you know, these, this is my, you know, this is my writer, which again, if for anybody who's listening, doesn't know a writer is like my list of demands that people offer when they go in Hollywood. Um, it's unusual um but i've been lucky that you know um most people want to use my work enough that they'll sign it and then if they break it they bought it yeah which is crazy because that's professional yeah i I don't know that that frustrates me i can't imagine making this beautiful piece and then getting it back broken you know and and that brings us to your projects in general so lance i don't know how you could possibly pick one but do you have one that stands out as a project that you've been most proud of well, we talked about Gaga, and obviously that was one that was great. But I would say, uh, I mean, you know, not to jump right into the the main arena, but with Grimes was great. Um, she, you know, it was a huge 
I can't go into too much because it was a you know it's, there's an NDA and stuff, so I can't go into too many detailed details. But it was a huge production um, and long. Um, they flew me out. Um, they wanted my work so so much, and it was like five days before the shoot. And I was like, well, I can finish. I sent them a bunch of things that I sort of had working on in production. And they mm -hmm. chose one, of course, that wasn't finished. I was like, well, I can do it, but I'm going to have to work on it for like the next three days. And I don't know how I'm going to get to LA because I'm in San Francisco. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get to Los Angeles. Like, oh, we'll fly you out. Don't worry. So they flew me and my partner out, which was great. Oh, my it. gosh. Oh, well, I mean, that's not the first time that happens, especially if it's like a rush thing. Like I, My view on it again yeah. is like, you want this in that time period, you can have it, but I'm, you're going to have to make sure that it gets there. Right. Um, yeah. So I was there. I was on set with her. It was great. Um, and we, I brought actually a couple extra things because even though I brought the piece that we ended up using, I wanted to give her some other options. And we tried on some other stuff, but she was definitely hell, hell bent on, on my Cthulhu mask. Um, and it was great. Got to see her do. I got to try it on her. I, I you know, I, 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 I let her know that you know. Her, her funny thing going back to what you talked about before her song um scream you know the song scream mm -hmm. that was actually the music that we played for our runway in new york city the first time i showed with emily that was wow. so i told her this and she laughed she's like oh my god that's great it's like she goes this is so wonderful it's you know claire goes it's it's great it's it's all coming back and it's full circle and she goes i hope this song is gonna uh -huh. be this is cool and i hope you like the song i'm like no i love this song it's great you know because i this is the first time i'd heard it was on set like full shimigami eyes everyone had heard yeah this yeah this was the first time i heard it and she'd even said like you know i don't know like can you understand all the lyrics i'm like I can understand all the lyrics, but I've also been listening to them all day. And right, she laughs. Right. She, goes, she goes, oh yeah. She goes, maybe that's why I, when people say they don't understand the lyrics, I'm like, why? I'm like, but then again, I've been listening to it for like three months. So it's, <laughs> you know, like, I guess, you know, we, but we laughed. She was really nice. She's cool. Um, she's so tiny. Oh my gosh. She's so tiny. Um, like you're just like big personality. And then you see her and you're like, oh my God, I like, want to hug you and not break you. But she was, she was badass and she was like throwing that sword around all day. Like, I, I mean, all day she had that thing in her hand. So I'm like, okay, girl, you are, you have more upper body strength than I would. I'd be huffing and puffing and needing like donuts or something and give me more energy at the end of the day. And she's like, she had like a trainer, I think for yeah. like lightsaber like, stuff. Yeah. And she's like, let's do it again. It let's do it again. I mean, she was. She was, I mean, all day she was there and doing it. So I, I give her props because I was sitting down most of the day. She was doing, you know, <laughs> I mean, the dance part, you know, the part where you're dancing. Yes. And you're more, like they did that so many freaking times. I was like, it looks perfect. How many times do you have to do it? But I guess you have to do it a million times. Um, yeah. Anyway, no, it was a great experience and it was really nice to meet her. So that was definitely a highlight. Um, and uh, I hope that people liked it at the end, you know, I, as an artist, you're always oh. like, oh, I wish, I wish it had been in there even more. But, you know, I mean, I understand, like, it was it was the end coup de grace of the, the video, which was great. I got to show... Yes, it's um, the best part of the video, hands Well, it's down. also really cool to, I mean, Astra Levine, who is a uh, fashion designer who's also really awesome, and you guys should check out Astra Levine. Uh, he made the light-up bodysuit thingy yeah. that she wore, and he was there, and he and I follow each other, so it was nice to meet him the first time. And he was really cool. Um, he also made the really beautiful pink 
leather jacket that Jenny from um, Oh yeah, um, uh-huh. uh, Black Pink wore. Like he made that too. Um, so that was really cool. And so it was nice to sort of, there was a lot of camaraderie on the set and the guys who directed it, brother, uh, it's two of them. They were sort of in tandem. They were super cool. So it was, it was a good experience, you know, um, took a long time to come out. Like we shot it and then it was, it was almost five months until the video came out, which is long yeah. for a music video. They're usually like two or three month turnaround. But um, she just kept pushing the release of the song, and so the mm-hmm. video didn't get released. So it was one just of those. It's the life of a yeah. Grimes fan. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah, I've learned, <laughs> I mean, I was I was certainly a, a fan, but I was, you know, more like just a, a casual fan. So mm-hmm. I've certainly learned like just by checking up on things. Because you know, I was waiting too. I'm like, how does this video going to come out? And so I kept checking, and they're like, yeah, we're just you know, we can't release anything until they release the the full track and they're pushing it because they had I guess she had like a lot of video game stuff going on and had a big NFT drop so a lot of things happened around that same time um but anyway it was it was great I mean is there anything specific you guys want to know because if I can answer it I will there's certain things I can't talk about because of the NDA but there's totally get it totally get it you've given us so much right now like okay well such a positive experience with her like yeah she was great I mean anybody She's very much the person that you see. She presents her. I mean, she's a very authentic. My experience was that she was very, very authentic um, yeah. and very humble. Like she kept, you know, just saying like, "Oh my God, thank you so much for coming all the way out here." I'm like, "That sounds just well. like her." You know, I'm you like, hear it in her voice. You're welcome. You know, thanks for flying me and you know, getting a, like a Lincoln Town Car from the airport. I appreciate it. You know, like, class it's cool. act. Like, oh yeah, I mean, it was it was very cool. Um, but like it was. It was really nice because she, um, you know, she just, she kind of made sure that everybody wasn't like having, at least my experience was that it was not super high stress on the set. I mean, it was long, but it's because they had like a really big list of like shots because it was like a storyline. I don't know if you guys really got the storyline of it, but the storyline from my understanding, this is how it was explained to me was the storyline. And I think that it's changed a little bit, but then the original notes that we had was that it was that Grimes was an AI in a computer that was built for the male gates, that she was basically supposed to be an automaton to a degree. And that was the whole beginning with dancing and the little hair. It was like, I am here to entertain you. I am here to be your friend. I am here to be a little sex bot for you. And then throughout it, the girls who show up on the basically like the pussy wagon to a degree you know like the the car they come to liberate her and tell her like you are more than just the sum of your x's and o's and so when she goes on this adventure she realizes her autonomy and of course her creator um who went it went back and forth whether it was going to be a male creator or a female creator and i'm not sure but i think they actually landed that it was going to be a female code writer which i thought was interesting um hires um uh, Cupid to win back her love for him and that's where Cupid comes in but she becomes her own autonomous person and that's why when she puts on my mask at the end kind of you know it, her sword appears and she becomes this warrior who is her own person and you know doesn't need such a cool moment yeah. no one expected so, it no one expected it, that moment I think it changed a little bit but that was basically the storyline so we had like a lot of little yeah. scenes lead up to it to get it to that point um 
but yeah, so that was also really cool. But you know, I've been lucky that the music videos that I've worked on, um, four or five now, um, they've all been videos that were based on women specifically, generally, although, you know, there was some stuff with like Machine Gun Kelly and also um, with Sheldon Riley and stuff, but where it's been like women enforcing their own agency. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. Yeah. I'm all about that. Um, yeah. You know, and saying it's, it's fine that I have you in my life, but be aware I don't need you in my life. And that's a powerful statement for anybody to say, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of telling someone you love, I love you and you are welcome, but be aware that you're being invited um, mm -hmm. and I can disinvite you too if you don't like, you know, put your best effort in like I am. And I, I like that idea Yeah. for everybody, for everybody. I mean, you know, hold people to a standard that you, um, that respects you and respects them, but also, you know, let them hold you to the same standard. I think everybody would be better off if we kept raising that bar for each other and ourselves. So, yeah. Like, you know. That's a great sentiment, Lance. And we certainly do have more questions coming from people that submitted questions for you regarding the- Sorry, I can ramble. I, like I told you guys before, like- No, we're not rambling. This, this, is this doesn't go. feel like rambling. This, <laughs> this is what our, we want. For, for everybody listening, we discussed before, like if I started rambling, the safe word would be mango. And that would mean like, <laughs> let's go to the next thing. So we haven't said it yet. So that's good. <laughs> no, we're not there because you're easy to, to get back on track. And we yeah. prefer people that talk. Can you imagine having- Having a podcast guest that just answers in like three sentences you're like okay great thanks so much so yeah. mk why don't we go ahead and move forward and i can come back to questions um that we were going to ask previously but let's go ahead and ask lance the questions that people uh wanted to know about c's headpiece okay and i'll try and keep those things relatively just you know answering the question so that's fine Oh, this is a, I'm going to jump around with questions, but yeah. there's one that's like really applies to like what we just talked about, which is yeah. what, um, this is from Erica. What materials do you work with? What inspired the mask for Grimes Shinigami Eyes video? How many hours did it take to make the mask? Okay. Well, hi, Erica. Um, thank you for your question. <laughs> um, uh, so the material, uh, well, it's, it's back here. I'm going to pull this a little bit closer so I don't have to hold it. And I can oh show you this a little bit. So the materials in the mask are varied. Um, so it's metal, obviously. Um, this part is steel. Um, and these are a chambered coil um, that actually you can take apart and move around almost like Legos. I don't know how to explain it. Um, and then the, the tips are these really long spikes that I grind, um, not grinds, but that I grind. Um, and there's also leather on the inside for comfort. And then there is a multiple strap. This is actually her mask, by the way, this is the mask. Um, people always ask if they kept the original. They did not. Um, oh. very, nope, no, it's okay. Um, you know, it's they were beautiful. They had to, it's, it's actually so really cool that I got it back because I rarely get things back. Um, but so I did. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's mostly, well, it's, I would say it's like 95% metal, a little bit of leather. And then there's also like the backing is like an elastic. Um, 
but it's super light. Um, it's not at all heavy. It was actually custom built for her face shape. So um, if you look at pictures, that's why it really fits her face perfectly. Cause I, I did have a little bit of time. So I got them to give me her measurements of her face and built it around it oh for that. Um, so it's very, very little heart shaped face. It looks really tiny on here. Cause again, <laughs> Uh, Claire's very small in real life. Um, and uh, it's pretty balanced. Actually, she told me herself, she's like, yeah, it's really comfortable. She's like, it's it's weird because she had said, like, I don't know, like, it's hard because I don't know where things end. Yeah. So we had to kind of have people out of frame to make sure she didn't, like, knock something. Because, you know, <laughs> right. you've got all this extra stuff. Um <laughs> But um, how long did it take me to make? Well, I started building parts of this mask before, and I had sent them a whole bunch of things that I was working on, and also things that I had already available. And they said, we like this that you have available, we like this you have available. We, she really likes this mask. Um, do you think you can have it done when we need it in like a couple days? And I was like, well, if I, I can, I can crunch it, but how am I going to get it to LA? And that's when they were like, well, we'll fly it. So I stayed up for like, three days like finishing it um but i was lucky yeah. that i had about half of it done prior i just had to get the measurements for her face make sure everything was pulled in um worked on the the spiky bits and all that stuff so that was great um was that did that answer all the questions or was yeah yes yeah that answered all of them wow. wow okay mk what's the next one about the math um here we go what was the inspiration Oh, the there piece. you go. Well, well originally for and me, that, oh, let me read. That's Naomi Gray. Hello, Naomi. Um, Naomi. I hope I said that correct. Um, I hope I did too. <laughs> the inspiration when I had first started it before I knew it was going to go to Grimes was Cthulhu um, yeah. from HP Lovecraft, which is love it. Tentacles and things come out. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, Cthulhu is I just find an interesting, weird, it's a really weird story. It's just so bizarre, like this god that comes out of the ocean and just eats universes and, yeah. you know, doesn't really care about your soul, just wants to gobble you up and sort of, I don't know, it's just something interesting about it. Um, and she, they loved that, you know, when I told them it was called the Cthulhu Master, like, oh, that's great. That's very, like, on brand for what we're talking about. So for me, that was the inspiration for it. I'm going to get a sip of water, so I'm getting a little... Yeah, we'll have a, we'll <laughs> a little have a dry. Break. Yeah. <laughs> water break. We had a potty break before we uh, recorded this, so that was good. Grown mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> adult people. Nice. Um, we like that kind of ties into Witty Graphics' question, MK. Yeah. Um, well, we have two. Oh, nope. That's the one about the Cthulhu. What was the uh, name? Witty, Witty Graphics. That's Jack, the lovely Jack. Hi, Woody Graphics. Um, Even if we didn't get to your question directly, say hi anyway, because, you know. <laughs> um, says, you create these amazing shapes and silhouettes for masks. What inspires you create to create each piece, and how did you come up with the concept? Well, I guess you um, answered the Cthulhu part of why. Well, that's part, that's part it, of it. But, I mean, I have a lot yeah. of inspirations, for sure. I mean, um, yeah. H.R. Giger is certainly a huge inspiration oh my god mm -hmm. i love that alien and uh, yeah, i love, I love, the I, love I, I love his biomechanical so cool. kind of things so a lot of my work yeah. uh, is inspired by that if you look at like i have a mask that everybody loves it's it's um 
it's called my scorpion mask and it kind of comes yep. down the center and that's oh, all that black. one I mean, is that was, very cool with that's the, the direct back. i mean that's it's probably very... my most directly inspired hr gear I mean, that, it, people yeah. usually call it the face hugger yeah which i yeah. try and tell them it's not a face hugger it's supposed to be like a scorpion but at this point <laughs> yes call it, the scorpion. Fa- call it the face hugger that's <laughs> fine it's the face hugger um but uh so uh hr uh, Geiger is definitely a huge inspiration, but I also, I love nature. I think you can't do better than to look at just the natural world and nature's ability to create symmetry where it mm-hmm. wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's nothing, I don't know, I, I can't speak for everybody, but for me personally, people seem to think that nature is random. Nature's very specific. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's, she's very particular miss nature and if you look at certain things like there is a lot of symmetry and a lot of like sacred geometry in yeah. nature um which is another big inspiration to me is you know sacred geometry and things so i'm always looking at things going like like how does you know how does a, a you know a, a a bird like just in general know to have the exact same amount of weight on either wing to mm-hmm. be able to fly. I mean, it, you, you have to understand like it, with one wing, if you have it like half of an ounce off, a bird can't fly. Like it right. needs, like we, you know, if we lose a foot, we get a crutch and we can still walk. If we, yeah. you know, one of our hands for some reason doesn't work the same as the other, we figure out a way to compensate. Animals don't have that ability. They're just like, what do I do? The fact that nature knows how to create this perfect uh, ability to, you know, create this, this balance I, I love that um isn't so that the golden the- ratio like yeah 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 i think that's more of a painting term but i think that's it's certainly that yeah there's a there's a there's a natural balance of things where if you skew it too much to the left or too much to the right it looks like uncanny valley or it doesn't look quite mm-hmm. right or it just your eyes don't don't focus on the right way and I, that's I'll tell you the hardest thing about designing is not what I can create. It's reeling yourself back and learning to be your own best editor, learning to Mm. edit. And I know like a lot of my work doesn't seem highly edited. You'd be surprised. Cause I mean, I could sit there and add seven more tentacles to this mask. If I want to, I can make them long and I could add sparkles and crystals and bejewels and and I could certainly do it, but it wouldn't have the same sort of, sleek design that it has um there's also just the the fundamentals of what i do um being on your face you have to think about weight distribution Mm -hmm. and comfort and all these sorts of things it's easier to wear a heavy jacket all day long than it is to wear a heavy thing on your head all day long so i i focus more on how much can i get away with not adding as opposed to what can i add and a lot of times like I'm always looking at negative space as opposed to um, accoutrement. Right. Um, again, I don't know if that answers the question. I feel like yeah. I wonder, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Casper asked, Hello, what, was Casper. The hardest pro- <laughs> what was the hardest project you've ever worked on? The stuff for Irish Van Herpen, for sure. Um, <laughs> that was, that was, it was three months of working and prepping and going back and forth with her and her team and and 
I mean, I must have done 40 designs um, before we landed on the three that ended up on the runway. Um, and I did a lot of prototyping and I mean, I cut everything that you saw on, on those runways. I first cut completely by hand out of paper wow. just to make three dimensional wow. things to be able to show her and her team in real life. Cause to be honest, a couple of the things that I drew, they're like, can you actually do that? Like, do you set up? I was like, I drew it. I can do it. And then I sort of wanted to show yeah. them proof positive, like here it is. And when they saw it, they loved it. And, and that was great. But it took a long time because for me, um, you know, Iris Van Herpen was somebody who I really admired quite a lot up until that point. And it was, mm -hmm. it was more prestigious for me in the fashion world than I'd ever done. Ever, I mean, working in music videos, is wonderful. Working in Hollywood is great. But there's a difference between that and working in high fashion, especially yep. in haute couture in Paris with one mm. of the biggest designers in the world who's known for their avant-garde perspective. And yeah. so for me, it was I'm going to show up with my best work or I'm not showing up at all. Um, yeah. And yeah. A lot. Uh, you guys have a second? I can actually grab one of the Iris Van Herpen masks and kind of show you that up close if you want to see it. Oh, yeah. We have okay. a second. Okay. Give me a second. Let me just, like, I have several. I have no a lot of seconds. Just, I'll be, I'll be right back. <laughs> While Lance is gone, what's been the most fascinating part to you so far, MK? Mm. Um, yeah, all of it. I can't really, this is quite an experience right now. I feel like I'm going for a ride. I mean, hearing how amazing it was working with C has really made my heart warm, you know? Yeah. That's what I keep experiencing. Thinking. Yeah. Cause it's like all the videos we see of her, she looks like that person. And you always yeah. wonder like, oh, behind the scenes, are they the same way? And from what Lance yeah. is describing, it's like, oh yeah, she really does have that sweetness and that humility and is really that tiny. Humble, <laughs> is that tiny? Heart-shaped tiny. Um, and how he, like what she said too, like, oh, this is cool. Like you can like kind of hear her Grimes say that. Voice and, that, mm -hmm. that I can't use. <laughs> I will also say, just FYI on the record, they also had excellent catering. Oh, that that Ooh. matters. Like we had like, I, please indulge. We had like, we had like steak and shrimp and all kinds of sushi and everything. It was like it was fast. What? And it was and it was you know we shot during the middle of COVID, so it was all outside. Where were you fire. shot again? Where where was it? Where were you guys? I, I, I cannot talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was in a studio. Um, it was in a studio. And they had like all this stuff set up with this crazy technology and stuff. Cause we, you guys yeah. may not know about it is that none of that is a green screen. Everything. Oh. I, it's, yeah. Right. The rendering she, she talked about. Yeah. That's probably why it, took it was so all long. real time. Like what you see was projected behind her on these three D screens. So what was great about it was, all the natural light like reflected on her so it looked like she was in this environment because it's basically a 360 so cool. degree like and screen that moon or planet right. i mean so that's what's cool because i mean it looks amazing. it looks like it would have been done like on a computer but it was actually all there like we were watching yeah. it happen it was kind of crazy wow so this is did the, you meet uh, dorian electra i did and dorian was really yeah i met i did dorian met dorian for like three minutes, it was very quick, but we introduced <laughs> yeah. each other and Dorian was really cool. The little cool. mustache and everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool too. And Dorian was really, really sweet. And uh, they 
I started following my work and it was great. So I'd right, love to awesome. do something with Dorian. Cool. I'd love to do something with Dorian if they're listening, if they 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 if they remember me on set. Let's let's do something. Oh, so that would be awesome. Here is all the, right. Let's look at this. One of the pieces from the Iris Van Herpen show, and I don't know if wow. you can see on the details of oh, it. Oh my god. Um. So it's, it's all, even more beautiful up close. I mean, look at the details on this. If you're watching video of this, people, this is like incredible detail. So and then this is the, the back of it. And here was the part that was the most tricky. And to be perfectly honest, um, probably the part that I'm most proud of, which was, you know, it would have been really easy to take the metal parts and simply sort of glue all of this lace behind behind it and it would look fine from the front but behind it would look terrible but i knew that the model was going to be turning on the runway and i wanted the back to look just as perfect and smooth as the front so the yeah. part that's been the longest on this mask once i had the design down and we'd done many prototypes and all that was that each piece of this lace has been plasticized so it's basically been hydrate rehydrated into a very thin polymer that stiffens it and makes it plastic you can't see it, but because of that, um, when you cut it, it doesn't fray at all and it holds its shape. Wow. Then each, and I don't know if anyone knows what lace looks like up close, but this is like very expensive French Chantilly lace. Yeah. So there are all these tiny little uh, fibers. Each and every one of those fibers is actually embedded into the metal within this center so that it's inside the metal. So from the front and the back, there's no seam because it's all actually embedded inside. So these whole things are flexible. You can bend them um, and nothing's gonna pop out. It's not glued in, it's actually embedded. But it took each one of these little pieces takes about four hours to to connect. Wow. You have to use a, like a two-sided needle and interject it into the metal where there's a tiny little hole with two little needles. You're basically threading a hair into a microscopic hole inside of metal and then embedding it so that it's inside it, it took Do you a long have a time team? no this is all me i i am one unbelievable man. um and i actually figured out this engineering all on my own that uh, when i because iris asked too she's like how's it gonna look from behind and i you know first i said well how do you do stuff when you do like this and she sent me a picture and it showed sort of how they do it and her stuff tends to be very flush from behind so it doesn't doesn't matter but you can it's fabric from behind and then it's got whatever piece in the front. And I knew that these were gonna be, had to stand up and have rigidity. And so I said, well, I can go in with, you know, a little jeweler's drill and drill into all these tiny little holes. And she said, well, that seems like it would take a lot of time. I said, it will take a lot of time, but thank goodness I have it. <laughs> yeah. um, and I sent her a sample to sh show her a proof of concept. And she's like, if you think you can do it. And I said, I, I would not have presented it if I didn't know I could do it. And I did. Um, and they loved it so it was great but yeah so that was that was this piece and it was really and again it's super light um it's made out uh the the base of it is made out of um uh industrial um space grade aluminum so the, wow. the kind of metal that it is is also very special it's it's twice as strong as regular aluminum yet three times as light and the reason it's that light is because it actually is aerated so it has microscopic little bubbles going throughout it, which makes it lighter, but the the holes inside of it actually add rigidity to it. Think about like, if you have a pillowcase and then you put a balloon inside of it and you blow up that balloon inside the pillowcase, 
It's going to inflate the pillowcase, give it a bit of buoyancy, but it's also going to push back against the pillowcase. That's what happens with this metal. So it's a very science. So it's it's science, um, which I thought was really great with with Iris. Um, I would also like to just shout out that I would not have been able to create any of the pieces with Iris Van Herpen um, without um, my friends over at San Francisco Metalworks, who I worked with in their studio um, for like, oh God, a month and a half, just doing prototypes and prototypes. And they were really cool. Every time I had to change something, I'm like, really? I'm like, yes, I know, but we need to do it. And I would sit there and pound stuff with them. I sat there and polished everything in their studio. They were really cool and let me use their space because... I didn't have a lot of the tools here. Um, mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say San Francisco Metalworks, thanks for letting me use your shop and Shout being out. part of it. So you guys were great. Um, I'm gonna put this over here, if that's okay. That kind of yeah. ties into Miraculous's, I probably said that wrong. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I would've gone do you with. Use any, <laughs> do you use any 3D softwares? No, um, I mean, well, okay, let's, I don't use any 3D software um, to do any of my designing. Um, I sketch everything on my iPad um, with what the industry calls a croaky. Uh, croaky is basically like a blank model um, that you can draw on in the fashion world. Oh, um, whether, cool. it's clothing, whether it's clothing or a face mask, I have like head croakies. So it's just like very blank, straight on and side profile of, of you know a woman's or a man's face. And then on that, I can just draw um, and kind of get an idea for scale and, and stuff. So I'll do that on my, my iPad. And then I will usually take that drawing and make a flat pattern in paper, um, like a very heavy stock paper, um, and cut that out with an X-Acto or with a scissor or whatever I'm using and sort of just make sure that my idea and the shape of it fits volume-wise and like makes sense in the real world. Um, and then I will lay that down and, um, you know, with certain things like the stuff with Irish and Herpin, um, I certainly had help using a water jet cutter on some of the, the frameworks, but on other pieces, especially some of the smaller pieces, I use a jeweler's saw, mm. which is this very, very, very fine saw. It's like as thin as a hair that you cut sheet metal with, like when you're cutting things for jewelry. So I'll go in there and do that. Um, but I do all the metal work and stuff myself. I polish it and, and shave it down and recut things and bend everything and form it with little jeweler's tools um, and you know airbrush everything myself and do all the, whenever you see bone or horn or anything, I, you know, I'm the one that drills it and taps it with screws and make sure that everything is done. So it's, 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 all, it's all me. Mostly. I mean, Amazing. I think this shows though why your work is so popular is that you're willing to put in the work to do it that I don't see other artists being willing to do. And your brain can conceptualize how to do that work. Well, and I'll also say this, and I don't mean this to sound like terrible, um, but um, I have a love-hate relationship. I'm going to plug in my phone. I'm so sorry, guys. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so Take five. I, I have like a a love-hate relationship with um, digital fashion. Um, my reason being that I think it's very easy to create. When I when I was taking a couple classes in fashion school, uh, I didn't go you know long term, but I did take some classes um, at FI uh, at uh, at FITM just because I wanted to learn a few things that I didn't know in the fashion world, kind of down and dirty. Um, 
one of the things that I learned is it's super easy to draw anything you want if you don't have to create the thing in the real world. I can create a mask that's nine feet tall and made out of glass and has wings and glows in the dark and you know can sing an opera to you. I can do that on a computer, that's great. Now make it in real life, then I'm impressed. Um, and I feel like, especially right now, a lot of people are getting so on this digital fashion aspect, which is cool, it's great for like um, working out your ideas. What it does, unfortunately, it's what I have noticed, even though, even on what I do, is that when the new popular standard for what a mask is or a dress is, is something that sets itself on fire and can be, you know, uh, float in the air and has, you know, qualities that don't exist in like physics. Mm. When that becomes the new standard for what people think it is, when you create something, even what I do in real life, they're like, well, yeah, but does it glow in the dark? Okay, but yeah, but can it, you know, does it, why isn't it see-through or why isn't it made out of, like, why doesn't it look like something that was 3D, 3D printed or something? Because this is a real thing as opposed to a concept. And mm. I think there's a big difference between being a concept designer and being a designer. Yeah. I also think there's a big difference between being an animator and a fashion designer. And I would say a lot of the work that I'm seeing out there right now, which is cool and very inspiring and beautiful digital work, it falls more in the line of being an animator yeah. than being a fashion designer, you know, mm. and that's still an art, just not the same. Oh, and, and, that, and that's why I'm saying, I don't think it's less of an art, but it's, right, I right. have a hard time when people say I'm a digital fashion designer, you're a digital designer. The fashion part of it, yes, you can use it on an avatar or on someone in the metaverse, but the, what I'm seeing happen and what I've heard from a couple of my colleagues in this is that because that kind of work is becoming so popular and it's so easy to produce, I don't mean easy in the sense of like, it doesn't take effort, but it is a lot easier to produce a huge dress with spikes and crystals and all over it in a computer than it is to do it in the real world. So yeah, the fact yeah. that that stuff can be produced on such a quick scale where you can post something every other day because you stayed at home all day and did it on your computer and people are calling that fashion, that diminishes people who spend, like I did, three months building something by hand to have it show with Iris Van Herpen. It's not right, the same right. thing. And so when they get equated as being in the same realm, that's hard for me to rectify. Um, right. That mm. um, so I hope that, you know, when people see my work in the real world, they understand that this is made by human hands and not by... Um, you know, software by an AI who's sort of figuring out all the problems for me. Like I fail quite a lot when I'm figuring out how to build something. Um, That's how you learn. Well, my partner actually, he's, you know, he's, he's got a one 1000 witticisms and he's like, you did not fail. You figured out another way not to do it. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, is, yeah. Okay. Well, now I know I never have to try that thing I just tried ever again because I know it doesn't work. So that's one less thing I ever have to waste time on again. Um, and so when you look at it that way, it's a good way. But you know, on a yeah, when you're working within a computer screen where physics don't apply, where budget doesn't apply, and also where um, environment doesn't apply, 
it's easy to create anything you want. And again, those things are great for inspiration, but it's not the same thing as, um, in my mind, as being a fashion designer. It's a different thing. I wish there was a different term for it. And I know artists. I mean, it's I like know you know, digital. I know digital fashion designer is what they use, but I still feel like there needs to be. Maybe there's a word we'll all come up with that everyone will agree on. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Not to harp on it. I love, I'm inspired by a lot of stuff. My, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Vinny Nazo, who is a digital artist, who's a friend of mine. We actually did an NFT drop a while ago with Grimes Mask that was part of one of the ones that he did and all this. Cool. It was a fidget, I'm going to say it wrong, a fidgetal drop. So it was a physical and digital at the same time. He did like digital renderings of the mask. Oh, cool. Um, like on an avatar that he created. Like, that's great. And it's beautiful. And it was wonderful. And I love what he does. Um, but if you look at like Vinny's other work that he does, it's so extravagant and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. Um, but there's a reason why no one has ever created something like that in the real world. You yeah. You spend half a million dollars to do it. Right. So, and the imagination. Right. So the it can go anywhere. The inspiration for it is great. Um, but I'm a tactile person and I like to make things in the real world in that way. So. Yeah, it sounds like engineering. And Lance, there's something I really wanted to cross over into specific to your personal life a little bit, if you don't mind. Hmm. Um, so one of the things that goes around our community is there are artists that work with Grimes who some of them are very, very nice to us and others of them are pretty standoffish and don't want much to do with us, which is fine. Lance definitely fell into the first category where you were very friendly towards us, uh, engaged really well with us. I followed you um, as soon as you were able to post the masks from Shinigami Eyes, but you posted something that affected me pretty significantly in a good way, uh, probably a few posts later, you were talking about how you had posted these awesome photos of you with Grimes and that people had attacked you based on your physical appearance in these photos. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, um, that kind of sucked. But I, I mean, there's a part of me that understands that in this industry, um, not even just in this industry, but it's just in, in, in in the Instagram, TikTok, you know, Twitters of the world, you can accomplish a lot, but you're still being based by a certain demographic on you as a product, mm -hmm. as opposed to the product you're producing. Um, I've never tried to claim to be like a cool person or a suave person. Um, we joked about this a little bit when we were talking earlier, but I, you know, I get invited to my share of, of weird, special, fascinating events, and I can tell you more than a few times I've showed up and people have looked at me like, oh, the catering is over there. And I'm like, no, actually, I was invited. I'm a designer. I make this um, because I don't think I fit the mold of what people think you're supposed to be as a fashion designer. Um, especially in Los Angeles. So it was hard yeah. to take that, it, you know, I understand if you don't like my work, if you think, you know, you don't like what I made for Grimes or you think my work sucks or, you know, a lot of people, like I said, think I'm, you know, spawn of Satan because I work with animal parts or horns or whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but I don't understand what my being like chubby has mm -hmm. to do with what I've shown you. And mm -hmm. if that's like the only thing you can throw at me is like, 
you know, why is Grimes sitting next to this fat guy? Because that fat guy made the thing that's on her face. And apparently she liked it enough that she's like, hey, let's take a photo. Right. What did you do today? Right. Exactly. And, you know, like, it's cool to come and, and tell me you don't like how I do. That's cool. Then show me how you do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to have a donut while I do it. Right. And and how horrible that even you, know, you were talking about being chubby in general. Why is that not okay in people's brain for somebody to look? Well, I'm gonna probably say I'm gonna probably say something really controversial here, which is I'm highly aware that you know I should probably you know you know watch what I eat a little bit better. I'm not sitting here saying anybody else needs to. Everybody do you. I love you all. Everybody be comfortable in your own skin and and God bless. I'm a hundred percent body positive but for me i certainly go like you know i I wish i was a little healthier i wish i made better choices but i don't always do that because i'm working in my studio and you know what do i have available to eat i'm going to be here till two in the morning and i need energy um but i also and this is going to sound terrible but i'm lucky enough to be in a relationship for almost 15 years now with the same guy who i love wow congratulations oh thank you um but we're both really comfortable being around each other. And sometimes you just want to go home and sit and watch a movie and have pizza and relax. Oh, um, sometimes I'm married, honey. <laughs> so again, I think for me, if I had more willpower and probably a little bit better um, ability to sort of plan out my meals and things, I probably would eat a little bit better. I mean, I used to be, um, like I said, a lot, a lot less chubby, but I also, at this point, it's one of those things where, regardless of whether or not I think I want to do it for myself or not, it's not your job to tell me to do it. Right. Exactly. Uh, and that's where I feel the empowerment comes in for anybody, which is, you know, I mean, I felt terrible. Like who was it? Um, um, was it Lizzo who was, yep. you know, she's like making choices for herself and it's for herself. And if she decides that she wants to stop working out and, you know, just sort of go back to where, her comfort zone is that's her choice too yeah she decides she wants to drop a bunch of weight because she wants to go run a triathlon that's also her choice and neither one is wrong another one is right another one neither one of those should also legitimize your choices you know you're you do you let her do her let me do me base it on the work base it on what everyone's accomplished or not accomplished um and let it be let it be that you know i mean i, I guess if i was out there if my job was to be a, a fitness instructor or something and i was telling myself as someone who was gonna help people lose 100 pounds in six months and i showed up you know looking chubby people might go well that doesn't seem like that makes sense which doesn't necessarily mean it wouldn't make sense by the way i'm just saying people could assume that but that's not what i'm doing with my life that has nothing to do isn't with that it. crazy they equate the success of your product with the success of your appearance i think it's mostly just people wanting to say something nasty so they can take you down a notch i mean as that too people always be nasty um i i assume no one's anything but as two people who present female um you know how this is you know you know how this goes that it's you can sit there and create you know a cure for parkinson's disease but they'd still say yeah but why is your hair that color or did you really need to wear that i don't know true yeah. 
nothing to do with anything. But people are petty, especially on Twitter. True. And everything you're saying, Lance, about taking Twitter. agency and you're taking control. Takes over, though. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, that's. Ooh, we, we talk about that a lot. <laughs> hey, you know. Sort of subject. You know, that's a segue into Claire. So, you know, it was, but, but, you know, reminding me of, of everything you're, you're talking about with agency and taking control also reminds me of what we were talking about before we hit record that you've had to take control of your life and your lifestyle since really childhood to say, I'm going to define myself and do what I'm going to do. Well, for sure. You know, I mean, I I guess I grew up with a pre-religious family and then a family on top of it that was religious and had in their own right, some notoriety, um, as being, you know, artists. I mean, my father just to, so people don't have to like guess or whatever. My, my father painted a very famous painting back in the late seventies, early eighties called Footprints in the Sand. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so Are you kidding? That's how well known. Um, so now you know why I say his work is the like third most reproduced because it's never gone out of being reproduced. Um, no way. Wow. Famous, based on a very famous poem. The short, short story is the poem has been around since like the thirties. Yeah. Um, and it went into the public domain in like the 80s. And so one company that got it, my dad's publishing company at the time, he was an artist, said, look, we've acquired the ability to use this poem now. We know that it's very popular in like the Christian, you know, middle America sector. And we want an image to go behind it that we can basically make keychains and wall yeah. mounts and, you know, toilet covers and whatever. <laughs> and sell yeah. bookstores and things across the country and they commissioned him to do it and he created the famous you know footprints going into the ocean with god's hands kind of thing yeah so, there's a lot of different it's iconic different really different i mean it's legendary there's a lot of different variations but my dad is the one that did it first and he's the one that's the most known there's a lot of like knockoffs but his is the one that everybody knows if they know that piece um and he was smart i will tell him this when he did it they offered him, my understanding is that they offered him sort of a flat fee or pennies on the dollar for like when it went into production. Mm. He the pennies on the dollar. Nobody knew it was going to be what it was. Mm. So he's still making money off of that thing. Um, so good for yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't see any of it um, because, you know, when I came, I was never really in the closet, to be honest. I was always out. I mean, I was very, mm. I was a very outspoken, weird kid you know i was always like snatching the little girl who lived next door like from my pretty ponies and they'd find them in like my, my bedroom like <laughs> like well you won't buy me one of my own so mm-hmm. at 500 i only took one <laughs> um so when i finally had the the agency we're talking about agency to say oh this is what i am i was very clear about it you know I'm like this is what i am and you guys can deal with it or not deal with it and they did not want to deal with it so i ran away multiple times as a kid and Grew, mm. like I said on Long Island so I would go to the city mm. and I found that there was a whole different world in New York City that I had not been told about or exposed to and club kids scene right and again, oh my you- god I this is a whole other podcast seriously yes. to talk about club kids scene and how it, it, that relates to Grimes what was also we could talk about it what was amazing about it was that you have to understand like there was no internet in the way that we know it then so yeah Discovering something like Club Kids was like, I didn't even know this existed here. You know, we, we have so much yeah. everything all the time. And we all yeah. know what's out there, even if we're not interested in it. 
that was not the case with this. Like, I think the first time I ever saw a club kid was like on Geraldo Rivera. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I watch that sometimes, to be honest with you. It's on YouTube, that full. Well, I, I had, we can go into another thing, but I actually. Party knew, Monster. I, I love that my, movie. I knew Michael Alec a little bit. Um, <gasps> he Get never, out. He was never anything but nice to me. I understand yeah. all the things he did and never would apologize for it. My yeah. personal experience was. He would have treated me fine. He was nice. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, to me. Uh, but again, I also was like a low man on the totem pole. Like, I was not Richie Rich or anybody running around. Like, I was like a little, like, gopher, like, slash go-go boy, slash whatever at the time. Like, I was so yeah. low on the totem pole, but he was always nice. Again, I need to see some of these pictures at some point. Oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> my I'll plat- take one. My platinum blonde... Um, Rhythmics hair and like black eyeliner, like you know. Oh my god! And platform boots, like were you know eight eight inches tall. And I've got all. Oh of my them. god! I love it. But um, so anyway, because we, I, the question I think was about my my growing up and 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 stuff. Um, you know, I had to make kind of decisions early on. Um, I don't want this to get depressing or anything, but I get I grew up at the tail end of when people were still sort of dying and mass from uh, from aids um you know like the 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 early to, to mid 90s i was a teenager and it had been kind of reared into my head at that age that just by proxy alone of being queer that equated you will get this you will die you will go to hell and again when you don't have access to things like the internet or 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 even basic sex education where I mm-hmm. did, I assumed, okay, well, my parents who say they love me, tell me I'm going to get this disease and die. So I must, this must be the truth. So you can imagine my shock when I ran away for the first time and for many circumstances had to get an HIV test because I didn't have anywhere to stay and I was in New York. And I went to um, a place that was for youth queer youth and they basically said well if you're HIV positive we can set you up with a place to stay since your parents kicked you out so they gave me a test you have to make sure because they wanted to check your health and they came back and said uh I don't know who told you that you were dying but you're not you're fine and I refused to accept that I was like nope that's not true you have to test me again oh I don't know why you're screwing with me I'm already traumatized by this they did it again and I was perfectly healthy um which in and of itself was kind of devastating. And wow. I know that sounds weird, but, and I know this is kind of a PG thing, so I don't want to like go like into too much detail about anything, but basically I had been a pretty notorious young person because my view was I'm going to die young. Right. I'm going to have fun. Right. Everyone around me tells me I'm going to, I'm dying by, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to enjoy myself. Right. I'm gonna go out and do this. I live in New York city and I'm cute and I'm young and I'm a, club kid and good for me as soon as i got that information back that i was not dying the internalized guilt i had about it like was so extreme because i automatically Mm. thought wow i was out there being reckless not because Mm. of any other thing than i thought basically if i have to go at 20 years old i'm going to take everybody down with me because this is unfair and you know angry at the world and then when i realized like wow it's really great that i'm healthy but if I wasn't healthy, how many people would I have put at risk just because I was angry? Yeah, and I yeah. dealt with that a lot, like feeling 
super guilty about like, wow, like I was definitely part of the problem. Um, you were young. I was young, but, it, but, but I was cognitive enough to still realize that was a dick move really. Um, so I learned a lot from it. Um, but that in and of itself sort of, when I went back to see my parents after that, I mean, I basically told them like, you're horrible people who tells their kid they're going to die from the age of like 12, just because you disagree with something about them. And I've been living in this state of complete trauma and just waiting for a clock to run out that never happened. Um, and you suck. And when you guys can realize that that's not okay, we can talk. And until then we don't need to talk. And at present, they've never come to terms with realizing that they did anything wrong. So we don't talk. And that's how a- many years have passed. Um, has to be 20. Wow. Yeah, I even talked to my parents in 15 years about on and off sporadically, but not because I was about 15, 15, 16 when I when I had that that talk. It was weird. I felt felt like I was the adult and they were the parent. I'm like, you are terrible children. What you have done is Mm. awful and you should be ashamed of yourselves. And they were not ashamed of themselves. You know, they went right back into, well, if you don't have it now, you'll have it someday kind of thing. And, you know, it was really, it was sucky. Was that whole world like of that mindset too? Like your support system? You know, I've said this before. um, I am so happy for the mindset of where young people are at the moment and where the world, I think, slowly is even progressing to more the fact that you you would be and rightfully rightfully be canceled for saying something like that now that was not the case when i grew up you could say that to your kid you could say that at a school meeting you could say that as the president of the united states i mean i'm sure somewhere down the line bush senior said something to the effect of like well they get what they deserve kind of thing you know like you couldn't do that now thank god but back then that that was the thing of like you know Gay people get this disease. It's God's wrath. And uh, if you don't have it, you probably will get it. So shame on you. That was kind of the view. Um, yeah. But I, even at an early age, sort of said that that is, that's not going to be my my story. Um, and I'm, you know, it definitely, I will say that, you know, it was one of the reasons why I decided not to drink or anything after all that stuff. I was like, you know, I'm, I may be a lot of things, but I'm not going to put myself in a bad situation where I've just realized I've gotten myself out of a bad situation by sheer grace of whatever's out there. Um, and so I started to make better decisions and kind of slowly got myself out of the club scene and moved to San Francisco to kind of get away from that whole world. And it was coming down anyway, because the whole Richie Rich and Michael Alec thing had happened. And, and, you know, club kids were sort of persona non grata after, you know, we started murdering each other and yeah. chopping ourselves. <laughs> Just ourselves a little murder. Pieces. Just a little. Yeah, we weren't so popular anymore to have at your nightclub. Yeah. And so everybody kind of mattered, you know, and, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, people moved to LA or and things like that. But, um, but I decided to come here and then sort of just fo- started to focus more on my art and then met my partner and kind of just got fat and was happy and happy happy yeah happy ever after (laughs) so but yeah so i mean what i would say and what i had said before you know um and it might be we're getting close to five-ish uh that's okay Mm -hmm. good thing for me to say 
for anybody out there, regardless of where you are on any spectrum and where you are on any, um, you know, uh, any, any, any place in your life, keep people around you who love you, whether that's a parent, whether that's a partner, whether that's friends, whether that's work. And as hard as it can be, don't keep the people around you who don't love you or don't respect you. I know that the idea is like, well, but they're a parent or they're a relative or they're so-and-so in my life and I owe them a certain... You, you really don't. You, you owe people the amount of respect that they give to you. And you also don't owe an explanation of who you are or how you are to anyone. Mm-hmm. And if your explanation for who you are and how you are to someone isn't good enough for them, then I say remove yourself from that situation because um, you are probably unlikely to convince them and it's going to cause you more harm than good in the long run. And if it's meant to happen, they'll come back into your life and things will be great. And if not, you will find that you will find other people who will love and accept you. Um, I have been in that way. Wise words. I've been very lucky in that way. Um, I do believe in the idea of you know, you make your own family. And if you're lucky, you also have some of that family that's already there. Um, but if you don't, then, you know, find the people around you who love you and respect you. Mm-hmm. Um, find your tribe. Find find your tribe and don't let anybody tell you that you are lesser than just because you're not one of the cool kids or one of the, the skinny kids or one of the young kids or one of the you know, in their eyes, you know, uh, beautiful people. Because everybody, you know, I don't fit into those categories. And yet here I do what I do. And I'm having this conversation. And hopefully I inspire some some people with what I do. And so that that's important for me that people know that too. That I don't take this for granted. I know I fell into this industry. I know that what I do is something that a lot of people wish they could. And it's important that people know I realize that. Um, and that's why I'm always trying to put good work out there for you guys to find exciting and, and hopefully enjoy. So. I, I think that's perfect, Lance. And I think that's a great place to wrap up. We're trying to be respectful of Lance's time because he actually yeah, has I work have to do. Like, we right. could keep talking. We could keep talking for hours. Very busy, successful persons. So. <laughs> Lance, thank you. If I was, I wouldn't be taking the photos myself. I would have, you know, Richard Abbott <laughs> here. But yes. It's, it's good. It's good to have <laughs> one man show. <laughs> well, Lance, we appreciate you so much coming on the What's Up Grimes podcast. And I will get this sucker edited and Thank up. You. There's so many people that are so excited to hear your words of wisdom and about your career. Thank you so much. Questions or whatever. And if not, you know, I try when I can to look at my my messages and stuff. I, you know, it's hard sometimes. But if you have a question for me and you're a fan, Feel free to write to me if I can write back, even if it's just to answer something. I'm happy to. I'm not a standoffish person. Um, it may take a little while, but you know, I I want people to know that I I appreciate um, the time that they put into writing to me, and I always try and write back to people if I can. So, thank you so much for your kindness, guys. We will tag Lance Victor Moore's Lance- uh, Instagram under all of the stuff we post about it so that you can drop them a line if you want to. Otherwise, we want to wish you guys a great night. Thank you.